Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Million Media to Consume Before You Die. This is the uh, podcast where two people, Dave. That's me. And Calvin. That's not, that's the other person who was talking before. Are going to elevator pitch the medias that we've watched this week, as in the books that we've read, the shows that we've watched, movies that we've watched, music that we've listened to. And then we talk about, we try to elevator pitch them to each other so then we can try to get them as high on the list of a million as possible. Or as we think they deserve. Or we only watch great media. Yeah. We only consume great media here on this podcast. Yeah, so, yeah. And then sometimes we like to barter. If if we think something's good enough and the other one's being very disagreeable about it. <laughs> so, I have one thing to talk about today, and you have... I guess I could say two-ish. Okay. So you or can... like I have two groupings of things. Okay. Well, you want to start first? Sure. Yes. Okay. Alright, so... Well, I guess technically I read four different... Comic comics books. this right. week All but right. i don't know i guess i go over them yeah so one was interesting and then all right two were meh well i guess because two of them were ongoing series there was uh the ultimates oh, the marvel okay. one which so was... if it's an on well, the ultimate or is the, over at this point. Yeah, but I didn't read all of it, so. Okay. Well, hmm. And then it was The Authority. Have you heard of that one? I sort of know about it, but um, uh, but I think we should establish that. Is it, like, a limited run? Was it one of those, like, singular singular arcs type of thing? Like, it was, like, a couple stories. Like, you know, it's how it's, uh, right. how they put them into... right. Sometimes sort of arbitrarily into, like, uh, paperback editions. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to understand uh, what you read. Um, because I, I want how we establish what we talk about is whether or not we finished the mm. work. We started and then finished it. So do you count this as finishing it? I think those two I won't. But I just want to say... The authority's interesting. Okay. Ultimates. Have you ever? Do you how, do you read comics? Uh, no, I, I tried to read. A few, I read very limited runs or uh, just things that are like I know that there's an end to it. That's why I read them. Or something from Alan Moore, which he always ends his work. So, yeah. Like I read the uh, Infinity Gauntlet, um, the prelude to the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> Uh, oh, let's see. I've read Civil War. Yeah, I'll be I'll be reading that eventually. Yeah, uh, I've read Crisis on Infinite Earths. Is that the older one? Yeah, I think that's like, the older one. That's the uh, because then there's isn't there then there's Infinite Crisis. Yeah, and then I think there might even be a different Crisis. Well, I have a. I have a different crisis to talk about, too. Okay. Well, um, what else was there? But it's more of, it's an internal crisis, not a, not an external crisis. Okay, okay. And, mm, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Watchmen, all that stuff. Um, 
Yeah. Right, so the ultimates, just for anyone oh, right. who wants to know. It's are, a part of the... It's a version... Of the Avengers? Of, yeah, of the Avengers, called the Ultimates. I think it's where the whole Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury started. Yes. Uh, they based it on his likeness, and then um, he noticed it, and... Well, they, they explicitly mention it in the book, where they're talking to each other, like, who, who do you think would play you in a movie? He's like, well, it would have to be Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. And, well, Samuel Jackson, like, re reads comics, though, so I think what happened was that he noticed it, and in order to not have, like, a lawsuit or anything, he they had to sign a contract saying that if they were going to use Nick Fury, he had to be casted as Nick Fury, which was a thing. But yes, it's the, uh, it's a version of the Avengers in the ultimate universe which is a truncated version of the normal comics universe of marvel comics yeah i guess i read some ultimate spider-man too but i don't know is the ultimates in the ultimate yes. universe yes so did the, did the ultimate universe start with the ultimates the I ultimate think universe started with ultimate spider-man oh with ultimate spider-man and then and they connected ultimate spider-man with the um with uh, the super soldier serum that uh, what was it that Captain America had, they they tried to make things more interconnected is the thing, and uh, yeah, trying to make you know how like Dragon Ball Z Kai, how that yeah. exists. This is basically like that in which they try to make a version of it that's a lot simpler or just things connect to each other more and not or just right. sort of sort of just like a soft reboot like they don't want to completely yeah. they just because then in ultimate spider-man they eventually they eventually kill peter parker right yes and uh but and eventually at some point the ultimate universe caught up with the regular universe and then they had to make up their own stuff from there so Personally, uh, I've read a little bit of it. Oh, like, I have read a bit of mm -hmm. uh, stuff that are ongoing. And uh, I've read a little bit of it, and I'm not really impressed. Yeah, I'm not. From the Ultimates, it's not... They're just sort of all unpleasant. Like, none of the characters are likable at all. But it's real, though. It's Ugh. realistic. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's gritty, though, you know? Uh, terrible. And they're also... The wit... They're all just so mean to Bruce Banner. Like, he's just this nerd. And then even his, uh, even, uh, what, Betty Ross, right? That's her name? Yeah. And then, like, apparently they were, like, engaged at one point, but she just, like, hates him so much. It's like, how would they ever have a relationship? It's... Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, what was it? Quicksilver and, uh... I didn't get Scarlet. that far. Yeah. They have a thing, and it's really weird. <laughs> Well, no, I think they pretty much make it explicit, but <laughs> yeah, it's dumb. It's a really dumb thing. But weirdly, probably the most influential on the yeah uh, film universe. I guess in terms of aesthetic, right? Not not yeah, really and terms. even in terms of maybe the team in yeah. general. Well, like my... except they just they don't have ant-man as a founding member yeah uh, well i'm just saying not in terms of tone or anything 
because because he's well he's the most kind of questionable hank pym is kind of a shitty person i think a morally amoral person and then they basically replace i guess but isn't uh i think black widow like her and hawkeye are joined the team pretty quickly yeah well but they just basically have the chick role yeah. It was originally Wasp, but then they kind of transferred it over to Black Widow. And Wasp dies. Oh yeah, another important thing is that uh, is that in the universe, or uh, in the Ultimate Universe, uh, if any character dies, then they stay dead. That was kind of the thing that that they had for the Ultimate Universe. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, if any villains died or if any heroes died. They stay that way. But then there were two uh, made-for-TV animated films that were... Based on? Yeah, they were called, like, the Ultimates. Like, one, I think, is basically the first story arc with uh, Chitauri. All right. And then the second one was with Black Panther. He was... Well, I know that there's the Ultimate Spider-Man thing that's going on right now. But, but these that's were... Not, that's not a part of the this universe, though. Hmm. I'm I'm forgetting something. Oh well, there is the there is an, an Avengers in the Ultimates or no in the Ultimate Universe that is called the Avengers, and they are the bad guys, <laughs> and the Ultimates are the good guys. <laughs> it's dumb. Well, then Thor comes out all right. I think he's the only one that. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, he's sort of a hippie, kind of environmental activist. Yeah, I guess. And he may or may not just be a crazy person with a power belt. <laughs> okay. Well. All right. All right. So there's that. Yep. All right. So the two. I guess. I. I guess we can do two because the first one is. I think it's a Grant Morrison. All right. One. Who I've read a couple things by him now. I'm not really impressed by him. No, I've I know that that's a very popular name in the industry, and I don't quite remember what he's been famous for. Yeah. What what is his what is his breaking out point or what what was that? What was the cow? Like what the point that made them famous? Like Frank Miller with the uh, Dark Knight Returns and Sin City and whatever. What's what's Grant Morrison's thing? Was this was this Swamp Thing? I think. Well, didn't Alan Moore did Swamp Alan Thing? Moore, didn't he? Alan Moore reinvented Swamp Thing, but um, he either made it or reinvented Swamp Thing. And then I know Neil Gaiman did a few uh, things about that. Or did Neil Gaiman do Sandman? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, I know he did Sandman, but I'm saying that uh, did he also do uh, Swamp Thing though? I don't know, he might have. Yeah. Seems so, like he's done a bit of everything. Yeah. But yeah, Grant Morrison. Uh, I know that he's a popular name, but I just don't know what good stories that he's done. So, yeah. The Invisibles, does that sound? No, I, I, I feel like that sounds familiar. I think that might... Yeah, that's his sort of... That's his... That's I his, think that's at least that's something that is good that's that he's known done. that's well known yeah. him, about him You're right okay then i don't it looks like he's done some x-men does maybe it, some batman Grant stuff Morrison? Is like, doesn't he do deadpool 
Hmm. Probably. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. So, uh, what else about Grant Morrison and his work? All right. So the one, well, so (laughs) I read sort of, he did a Wonder Woman kind of reboot that was sort of weird and kind of fetishy and... Well, it's already fetishy. But he definitely... But this was like a hyper. year or two ago. And oh, it was... It's hyper-stylized. Um, well, let me ask this then. Is it like female to female? There's some of that. Well, because, you know, they're Amazons and they're on well, that well, island yes. for 3,000 years. Oh, yes. Wonder I, Woman has a girlfriend. Oh, okay. That's what, that's what I but was But there's saying. not... It's mostly, you know, at the beginning with Hercules. Yep. You know... Being, subjugating the Amazons and being a dick, yep. Well, but then and then the other thing I read from this week is uh is it JL JLA Earth Two or Justice Justice League Earth Two? Justice League America Earth Two. Yeah. Um I do know a little bit about Earth Two. I've never read a comic. But this that, is though. I don't think it's Earth 2, well, I think there's a bunch of different Earth 2s, but this is basically the bizarro world where all the heroes are villains and all the villains are heroes. Okay. So the plot is, uh, the hero Luthor, the science hero Luthor, uh, travels to Earth 1 to see the Justice League and ask them for help in defeating uh, the evil version of the Justice League from his world. I forget what they're called. But then there's Superman, who's Ultraman. Right. Then there's Wonder Woman, who's... I think Superwoman? And then Batman, who's Owlman. And then there's a Flash and a Green Lantern that are evil, too. Isn't that the same thing? I feel like I've seen an animated special about that where there, the just there, there probably is one like justice league where it, does it end with batman fighting the owl man and then them going to like the the original earth that spawned all the other earths or something like that no it doesn't get that complicated it doesn't get that meta because uh yeah that's that's how it ends in the just in the uh animated version in which batman fights owl man in a deserted earth and i guess what Ever. <laughs> or it's more the whole thing is that I guess they figure out that neither of them can ever like neither group because eventually the evil group goes over to the the good people's earth too and they kind of switch around and but they realize I don't know that like just there always has to be a balance and then so maybe earth the earth two in this story is just supposed to be evil dominated just like earth one is good dominated okay and it's kind of dumb. Okay. But then I think it was the fourth one I read out of all these four that I kind of marathoned mm-hmm. one night. So maybe I was just kind of over comics for the night in general. But Right. So now on to the good one. Okay. Which, I, well, which was the second one. I read the Authority ones first and then this one. Okay. And it's uh, Identity Crisis. Okay. Identity? Yeah. Also, Identity Crisis. Also by Grant Morrison, right? Is it? I don't think so, wasn't it? No. Maybe. It's sort of, it was billed as, I think, as like, first there was Watchmen, and now 
identity crisis. Even though I think it was like oh, there was Watch- years later. Oh, there was first there was Watchmen, and then there was the response to Watchmen, which was the um, it was the DC uh, run. I don't quite remember what it was exactly called. Uh, and this was Brad Meltzer. All right. Have you heard of Brad Meltzer? No. I have not. All right, well, this is definitely kind of a Watchmen. It feels very influenced by Watchmen. Okay, when you're trying to say first there was something and then there was something else, it's supposed to be like... But this was in 2004, I think. So this was a while later. People yeah. wait a while between... But it's trying to, I think, present itself as sort of well, like, a big well, comic event. Watchmen is something that was uh, comics that kind of changed the industry. Did this change the industry? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Well, not really. I guess it kind of changed or influenced like comics continuity or the DC. Well, yeah, but that's but. But this it feels just sort of derivative. But remember, of that, Watchmen. Remember or, that, like Watchmen. Nobody, I, I guess you could say that nobody's ever really done Watchmen before that, and then, and then afterwards, you would notice the immediate change in the industry because everybody wanted to do Watchmen at after that, <laughs> after that run, everybody wanted to be the dark, gritty, realistic superhero. That's when you got the Dork Ages, or the Dark Ages. <laughs> For some people. And uh, that's why the 90s were really, really bad. <laughs> for comic books, anyways. Well, because this one is specifically... I think it takes the whole... The idea of a mystery. like a, It's a murder mystery. In the way that Watchmen is sort of a murder mystery. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and in the way that the, the Batman Long Halloween is kind of a murder mystery. Yeah. So this is uh, uh, the elongated, the elongated, the elongated man, right? That's a hero, right? The elongated man, which is something that sounds like Mister Fantastic, but yeah, <laughs> yes. Is this okay? So is this uh, its own universe? Like Watchmen no, it's is? in no, it's in DC's because I think what happens in this influences later comics. Okay. All right. So it's almost like, maybe almost like a killing joke kind of thing, where it's it's a standalone thing, but it... Okay. But I guess the killing joke was kind of absorbed into continuity yeah. retroactively, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's why uh, Barbara Gordon was always in a wheelchair, and they made her, what was it? Oracle? Oracle. And that's that's a whole thing because of the killing joke. But I think we've established before that, like, it's just, yeah. <laughs> Not retrospectively speaking, it's just meh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on to this. So, elongated man's wife, yeah. Sue, is, okay. <laughs> is murdered. All right. And she was sort of, she was always there with the Justice League. I guess the elongated man was... If not a founding member, then like one of the 
Okay. At least in this universe, he was a mainstay for a while. Okay. So they all know Sue, and they're all very sad, sad and angry about it. So they all kind of team up together to right. find out who killed her. Okay. And that's, and then it's later, other spouses and family members of superheroes are targeted. Okay. And then it's a mystery. Oh, how, ooh, is this like fridging people? Is there a lot of fridging in this? Sort of. This sounds pretty dark. Um, well, is it is it trying to be like, oh, we're so dark and real? Yeah, or then, you know, it's trying to, like, with the, the, with, like, the reveal and stuff, it's trying to, like, make a point of, like, what's the collateral damage of being a superhero and being, like, the father or wife or girlfriend of a superhero? Mm. But then it also deals with other things of how how far the Justice League will go for to kind of keep their own secret identity secret. Right. And then, so a big subplot is they think there's a... All right, so there's a group of superheroes that sort of early on are put together and they think they know who did it. Okay. But then it's sort of a locked room mystery to start out. It's like her, because all the superheroes have super high tech security. So they're like, how did this person get in? Right. No alarms were tripped. So they said, okay, it must be like a teleporter or whatever. Right. And then she was burned alive or her body was burned. So they're like, all right, who has fire powers? (laughs) Okay. And then... So a group consisting of let's see if I can remember all of them. Superman. No. See, because here's the whole thing. All right, Batman. so it's isn't he the greatest detective? Batman. He's he's doing his own investigation and he kind of figures it out. Okay. But really, it's two of them doing an autopsy that like it seems it takes like the whole length of the comic, but then they they're the ones that figure it out pretty okay. much. But then. All right. All right. All so right. it's a group. It's Green Arrow. All right. Black Canary. Okay. Hawkman. The Atom. Zatanna. Yeah, I think it's those five. I think it's Dr. Light. Because previously, uh, Dr. Light had uh, sexually assaulted Sue... And then found out and realized that, uh, oh, I can get to you through your family members. I'm going to dedicate my whole evil career on finding and terrorizing all the superheroes' family members. And then that group, along with uh, Barry Allen and who's the first Green Lantern? Ryan Reynolds. Well, what's that guy's name? Whatever that guy's name is. They're there too, but they're dead in this continuity. And there's, you know, the second or third or whatever Flash and Green Green Lantern are hanging out too. So that group, they eventually, they come to the conflicted decision that they have to wipe Dr. Light's mind. But then they decide that, well, he's just going to eventually figure this out again. So let's alter his mind even more 
And they eventually, like, they make him, like, dumber and stuff, so he won't do anything ever again. So they think it's him. Somehow he's, like, gotten his memories back and is targeting her. And then that brings up the whole idea of, like, the second Flash is all like, oh, that was terrible. How could you do that? That's immoral. We're supposed to be the good guys. Okay. And then that's sort of, that's the secondary conflict. And then it turns out Batman was there, too. But then they wipe his memory because he wasn't—he didn't stand for it. Right. But then it's the whole idea that the Justice League B team is the ones that kind of clean up the messes right. for the Justice League, and then that like the mainstays like Superman just kind of look the other way. Right. Okay. And this is good. Yeah. Well, it's good in the moment. Like it's an interest because <laughs> it's you know because it's a mystery. So you're like, okay, oh. Who could it be? Who could it be? Okay. And do you want to know who it is? Go ahead. Alright, so it's not Dr. Light. Okay. And I'm trying to think. And then... Alright, so then there's a whole bunch of other, like, subplots going on. And then, like, with the villains. Okay. Too. And they have their own, like, mystery, like, space hideout that they meet every once in a while. Okay. And then... Then uh, Captain Boomerang is in it, but he's like old and uh, like beat up and ineffective now, and he can't get any more supervillain work. And then he also is reconnecting with his son that he abandoned as a child, whose mother apparently was a speedster because the kid's fast, but I don't think they don't say who the mother is. But then eventually he takes a job to kill. Uh, Tim Drake, a.k.a. Robin's father. Okay. And that's sort of a subplot to the whole thing, is that his father knows that he's Robin and is worried about him. So then they end up killing each other in the struggle because someone mysteriously sends uh, Tim Drake's father uh, a gun with a note that says, protect yourself. And then he shoots and kills Captain Boomerang. But Captain Boomerang kills him with a boomerang. Okay. And then the Adam... Previously, the Adam's wife had also been attacked. In a way that made it look like Slipknot did it. Because of the whole... Because of the knot that was used to attempt to hang her with. Okay. But she survives. Because the... Because the, the Adam is able to shrink... Because he's on the phone with her at the time. So he's able to shrink down to subatomic particles and move through the phone lines uh, and get to her really fast. Okay. All right, but then he, him and his wife are divorced. The Adam and his wife. Okay. All right, so the reveal All right. is oh that the the killer of Sue is uh, the Adam's wife. And she had found one of his... Because he had left a bunch of his stuff at their old place, including one of his old suits which you can shrink down so she wanted to get back together with the atom so her plan was to make it look like there was a villain targeting the loved ones of superheroes in order to get the two of them back together 
And I guess she didn't mean to kill Sue. She just wanted to make to attack her to make it seem like that's what was going on. But she accidentally shrunk down. And then she went through the phone lines too and like went in through Sue's ear and then stepped on her brain and like gave her like a hemorrhage or something and killed her and then burned her body to hide the evidence. So the autopsy finds like a tiny little like foot footprints on her brain and that's how they figure it out. And at first you think it, that Adam did it to get back together with his wife, but no, it turns out his wife did it to get back together with him. Wow. Yeah, the ending is pretty stupid, and it's sort of a recurring thing I've noted. I've realized that in is... comics where, like, the wife of the person will kind of go crazy. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> like that. That happened in the Long Halloween too. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just <laughs> like, like it's all. It's sort of a weird like inversion of the woman in fridges thing. It's yeah, like, it's like the uh... woman g- goes insane. And they're like, think of the, think of the damage that's done to the families. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a bad thing. I don't what <laughs> I don't know what to say to this. It's but hey, there's a cool Deathstroke fight in 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 it too, and <laughs> yeah, there's not and the calculators in it. Because he's sort of he's the evil version of Oracle that all the supervillains use. How do how do I how do I say this? That's really horrifying. <laughs> Just that you the, know. Then she's sent to Arkham or whatever at the end, and I think she comes back as a supervillain eventually. But the, the industry is kind of. But it's like the double twist because you think like, oh, the Adam did it, but no, it turns out she did it. Okay. And then the atom at the end like shrinks down to subatomic and disappears because he's so sad. Okay. And then Batman sort of starts to figure out that maybe something's something's amiss with the Justice League and their memory wipings. Right. Because apparently Batman, like that's a line he won't cross. Right. Because I remember, uh, what was it? The Illuminati did the same thing in the um, lead up to, what was it, to Marvel's Crisis on Infinite Earths, which I don't quite remember what it's called right now. It's called, well, it was the recent event that they had for Marvel Comics, and I can't remember what it was called off the top of my head. It was... Based off Infinity... No. Infinity Crisis? No, no, it's not called Infinity Crisis. It was it's based off of a different... Like, the first crossover, like, huge thing where they got... DC? No, 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 uh, Marvel. The first huge crossover where everybody was in a battle royale. And I don't remember what it was called. I don't know. I just know the first one was uh, the original Human Torch versus the Submariner. That's the first crossover they ever did. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, though. Yeah, the Submariner, a very important character who, (laughs) once they get the rights, is going to be a huge character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I just know it. The Illuminati has, uh, has all the major 
leading characters from various Marvel comics. And uh, what happens is that they say something like they need to destroy the other Earth that's crashing into them or something like that. And Captain America says no. And then, and then Doctor Strange wipes his memory because they need to do it. And then, yeah. It was a thing. I don't, I, I, I just don't remember what it was called. Uh, it's like right after the Spider-Man events too. With who? With all the other Spider-Man. Spider-Men. <laughs> Thinking of the Kibby Schmidt song where it's the, it's the musical sequel to the Spider-Man musical at Spider-Man 2. Too many Spider-Men. It's like, this musical has 25 different Spider-Men in it. Yeah. This one and they're has... all getting injured. <laughs> well, this one has hundreds of them. Here's a Spider-Man that uses the giant robot. Oh, they, they, they put together all the Spider-Mans that they've created over, like, the course of this whole comics run, which... Here's the remember that alternate universe Spider-Man? Well, he's involved. Remember that alternate universe Spider-Man? He's involved. Remember the Spider-Man that's from that's from Sam Raimi's movies? He's involved. And the Spider-Man that's all, that's played by Andrew Garfield? That guy's involved too. <laughs> yeah. And it became a thing and I don't remember any of these arc titles. I don't have any idea what it's called. Somebody knows. S Spider Man Inc. It was, uh, I don't know. Spider Crisis on Infinite Spider Man. Spider Crises, Spider <laughs> Wars. It's, they were fighting against the Van. Sounds like, like it would be like Spider Wars or something. That sounds. They, they were, they, the thing is that all the Spider Men had to like gather together in order to fight against the vampires, which were trying to. <laughs> which were trying to like eat all the animals. Like the. the, the animal related superheroes because that gave them powers of some sort and see here here's the thing about comics in general they're they're all sort of dumb yeah and the and the vampires are cross-dimensional beings so like they go are they like, space phantoms i don't remember i'm 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 a fan of the space phantoms i don't remember but i was reading it and i thought it was really stupid but they did introduce the silk character which i really like they uh, they introduced mm -hmm. a new character called Silk. So yeah, yeah, it was a uh, it was like the bride, the something and the something else, and the Silk was the bride because she was an anomaly in all the different universes. Like there's no other version. There's no other universe that has the Silk because in the original Marvel universe, Spider uh, Peter Parker got bit by the spider. But he's not the only one who was bit. They retconned it a little bit. And they had like a second character in, in that same like tourist group that got bit. And she was in hiding for the entire time until <laughs> now. Yes. Like Supergirl. Her cousin was a superhero. And now she's going to be a superhero. Right. Oh yeah, that's... That's... Yeah. I mean, I don't really know why you 
Uh, you've definitely not sold it to me, though. The... I mean, is it worth reading? Probably not. Maybe if they like did like an animated movie on it, I'd recommend that. Maybe there is one. I don't think so. But there will be. Yeah. But, yeah. So in the future, when there's an animated film based on this, okay. watch it. Because I'm sure it'll it'll be a fun watch. Okay. And maybe they'll change the ending because... It's so dumb. And they want to just be different and have the twist be different. Yeah. Maybe they'll just, maybe they'll just have it be the Atom, which would be... Dumb. More interesting, at least. But I think... Or less, the wife is driven mad by a superhero. Ugh. It's always the woman's fault. But at least the long Halloween is better. Because it's her going crazy is kind of creepier. Yeah. And the like, whole I, I believe in Harvey Dent. Yeah, and then there's that there's the what was it? I don't quite remember what I was gonna go on to, but it was also another Batman related thing, wasn't it? Uh fuck it. Whatever. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Alright, anyways, are you done? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Am I? Are you? You talked about the four things. Oh, not really the two things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, well, and the authority has a gay Batman and Superman analogs, just so you know. I don't really care. I mean, that's just progressive, all right? This is a progressive podcast. Well, I only really care if it's like a female-to-female type of yeah. thing. Because I'm, I'm like that. Because I'm I'm a horrible person in that regard. But, uh, but that's... The authorities, I think you might like that. Maybe. It's sort of interesting. It's very difficult for me to like comics. <laughs> I don't know. Because their their powers are really, like, weirdly, like, specific but super powerful. Okay, like, there's so one guy that has, like, he has the powers, like, just, he can, like, connect to cities. And I don't know, like, he can just, like, move through them really fast and kind of manipulate All right, the matter of the cities. And then another person, she's uh, the spirit of the 20th century. And I guess she just has the power to influence the century that she's born into. And it's, but she also, I think, just has like just massive power, like blow up power. Oh, okay. And then, but then, like, so then there's all these characters, and then there's one that's uh, the, I don't remember what its and name then there's is Batman and Superman. Yeah, but then Superman has the, like, he gets his power from the sun. I guess, like... That's all. Ba- like, Superman, <laughs> but, like, he, like, absorbs it. Like, to, like so I think if you, like, put him He's... in a dark room with no without the sun, he would lose his powers. That That's all of them. But then, but it's weird that all of these have, like, superpowers. Like, they're all, like, super, supercharged. And then there's just the Batman one, who's just... Batman and has like no powers at all and is not really useful and he's just Apollo's boyfriend. Okay. Alright. I think that was a it's a spin-off of some other like image comics thing, I think. Alright. Yeah. So on to your your thing. Okay. 
great comics this week. Just great. Oh, God. Is this going to be every week? Hey, I didn't talk about Danger Girl. I could have talked about Danger Girl. Okay, just... Is this going to be every week, though? God damn. All right. So I watched a anime called Hibike Euphonium. Or, sorry. Hibike Euphonium 2. And it's also translated as Sound Euphonium 2. Which is uh, the sequel series to Sound Euphonium. Because I'm, I'm saying it like that because... Sound has S-O-U-N-D, exclamation point, space, E-U-P-H-O-N-I-U-M. So, you know what a, euphon- yeah, you know what a euphonium is, right? It's an of instrument course. for bands, concert, or whatever. It's a, it's a band instrument uh, in high school thing. It's a high school thing. <laughs> uh, a sousaphone? Yeah, whatever. And... Is, is it a brass instrument? It, I think so, yes. Yes, uh, yeah, it's a brass instrument. Or is it a woodwind? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's a woodwind. Is it a percussion? Oh, is it a drum? Oh, shut it. Shut it. All right, anyways. Hey, so, I was an orchestra. Yes, I know. You were an orchestra. Yes, We I were know. an orchestra. Yes, <laughs> I know. I know. That's how we met, actually. But but uh, the... Um, well, I'm going to get to it, okay? So... <laughs> So this is directed by Tatsuya Ishihara, who has directed things like, uh, like the Kyoto uh, animation uh, trilogy, which is Clannad, Air, and Canon, and the and also Chunibyo, which is a thing, and it's composed by the person who did Chunibyo and Baka Test, whatever. I don't really know. There's not really much to say about that. Uh, the director's the, the the director's really good. I like him. He does a lot of uh, dreamlike uh, types of um, shots. I don't know. I don't know. He he makes things very dreamlike in a way. So Pe- paprika esque. Uh, I wouldn't say it's paprika, but because uh, paprika is surreal. In, uh, in the sense of how it interprets dreams. This one's more so just things seem very... Like, you can just wake up at this moment and it would all be gone, is what I'm trying to say. In terms of how his directing style feels. So, um... So this is a story about a, uh... a group of girls uh, that are... that go to this high school concert band... And uh, the genres of this is is drama. It's a high school drama, and uh, and I don't know how to explain this. Um, it's it's a show that very much just has the ability to capture what youth is, because uh, it's the story about this concert band this like this group of girls that go to this concert band and they are trying to make the national like competitive thing uh, i don't i don't know nationals for concert bands <laughs> i don't know what else to say or how else to describe it it's a competition between other high schools and they try to be the best yeah a battle of the bands if you will yeah i mean we've done it before uh we've done a concert like competitive thing we've never made it very far because well, i don't think there is there isn't any 
further that we could have gone. It was just like the state. Yeah. Or it wasn't even the state one, right? It was just like the regional. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that, yeah, pretty much. But yeah, this one has multiple tiers of competitions. All right. So this one has like the quarterfinals the, or the qualifiers, the quarterfinals, the semifinals and the finals and whatever. And and this follows the character of Kumiko Omae, who is voiced by Tomeo Kurosawa, and apparently she hasn't done very much. And uh, any any relation to a Kirka Kurosawa? No. Kurosawa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, are you gonna think of the name? <laughs> well, you know what I meant. Yes, but no. <laughs> No, no relation to the to that See, because I, I got hung up because I, I almost said Akira Tozawa, and he is a wrestler in the WWE, and that is not who I wish. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, it's about Kumiko Omae, who is a euphonium player in this group, and, uh, and they are uh, very highly, I guess, trying to make the gold this year. Because, uh, in, because in the story, it's it's like, uh, it's about all these band members and how they kind of gel together. And if anybody, if any drama starts happening, then it kind of affects the whole group. And and because oh, if somebody starts playing badly, it makes the it makes the the whole band sound terrible. So they have to make like sure. a like a whiplash type, kind of. Like kind of, uh, it's all it's similar to Whiplash, except that it's not really about two people being very mean to each other. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and she has and she narrates throughout the entire show, and her narrations are very much uh, about like reminiscence she says things like this is this one day i'm gonna forget about all this stuff but for now it's really like important to me and it's very uh you know like even even if i forget like the memories of this thing this this warmth of this day is it's it's gonna stay with me and uh there's just this morality to it to it all because uh when the uh, when they go and start playing like live concerts for the competitions things start to have this filter like the dreamlike quality comes in at this point where there's this filter that you know where the it's kind of it kind of fades to white on the edges if you get what i mean when i say that i, mm -hmm. I don't uh yeah and yeah it's interesting and it's better than no dame cantabile which is another orchestra type of uh type of con uh, concert orchestra type of work and rather than it's playing music and then there's just still images of people being like of people in the middle of playing their instruments it's actually people playing their instruments and being in sync with the music but uh yeah. 
uh, and for this particular story, it focuses on, I guess, two relationships. Uh, the first relationship, which is kind of focused on more so in the first series than is in the second series, is uh, between two between the two first years, which is Reina, Kosaka, and um, which one did I put down? Oh, okay. And Kumiko Amai, who is the main character. And uh, one of them is the euphonium player. Like Kumiko is the euphonium player, and uh, Reina is the trumpet. So then in the second series, they changed it up now in which that Reyna becomes less of a main character. She's much more of a secondary character this time around, and it now focuses on the two Euphonium players that are playing together, which is Kumiko and Asuka, and it's the first year and the, the freshman and the senior. And it's about their relationship, and yeah. Uh, Okay, so in this particular uh, series, Asuka, the, the third year, the senior uh, that plays the euphonium, is essentially the pseudo-leader of this, of this concert band, and uh, she's the heart of the, uh, like, which, would I say she's the heart of the group? Uh, kind of. Um, she's... Oh my god, I actually don't know what I wrote down there. But yeah, she's she's the heart of the group, but she's also a loner though. She like no one actually has no one's actually ever really close to her at all. And the only one who she's actually made like a lot of communication with to a close relationship level is to the main character, Kumiko. And uh and it kind of explores their relationship and uh yeah this it kind of goes on about that um let's see. and the the essential themes of the show is what does it mean to be mature and or and what does it mean to be special because a lot of this, this is kind of constantly said aloud you know um I, some characters say, "I want to be. I want to be special. I, I don't want to be just a normal person. I want to be like out there and want to make people's like want to make an impression on people and and stuff. And then, uh, yeah. And it answers these questions in a very interesting way because." Uh, I don't know, because it, it, it offers an answer as to what people should be doing during this point in time, uh, during the, this point in their lives. Yes, you should grab onto the things that you hold dear at this moment, You and you should also realize that it's not all that important. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, if you want to put your all into it, you should. But like, you know, you sh you should also recognize that it's, yeah. <laughs> and it and it kind of balances that out in in a very interesting way. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like it a lot. The music's really good. This is uh, this is actually a knockout performance by um, Akito Matsuda because I because I wasn't really impressed with his other works beforehand, and this time it's just like oh, mm, this is actually really good, and yeah, I think this would be I consider one of the best animes that I've seen in a long, long time. Um, yeah, what else is there? Oh, and there's also uh, lots of uh, lots of Yuri, lots of uh, girls to girl relationship. Well, it's very it's very implicit in this this it's very implicit. It's not explicit about it. It's just very much like, oh, this could be a thing, but it doesn't really have to be. Personally, I really want it to be a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and th for this particular series, there's this um, thing called um, uh, it's it it has a book end to it. Which do you know what that is? A book end. Basically, sure. it it begins with the final scene, or it begins at, or not necessarily the final scene. It begins with something that is. It's like in in media res. Uh no wait, wait, wait no that's not what I mean that's I mean what I mean is that it ends with something that is calling back to something in the beginning is what is what a book end is so this one does that and it I think it does it incredibly well so yeah the ephemeralness of youth <laughs> the ephemerality of youth because I don't think ephemeralness is a word <laughs> yeah you know it's 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 a liminal a liminal space you know yeah a moment of time in which like things are just so fleeting feelings are just so fleeting and yeah it just it feels really nice yeah is what i'm thinking is what i'm thinking yeah we never had that though <laughs> <laughs> in our concert orchestra slash band we never had it well weren't you sort of a mentor to the youth was i weren't you in both i was in both i don't think i mentored anyone <laughs> <laughs> oh well, not in the same sense that the character that the third year or the senior character in this one uh did because she's actually going out of her way to do things for like or didn't you have like an orchestra buddy or did you opt out of that program like i did i don't think i did um yeah i don't think so uh yeah <laughs> i mean i don't think i was ever good in it <laughs> so yeah I was, I was good. You're all right. I was the <laughs> fifth best violinist in that school. Okay. I I got a one on both my solo and in my ensemble, made up of two underclassmen randomly. <laughs> that was a that was a weird time. 
Oh my god. Yeah. So I wonder if... Like, I almost want you to watch, like, Fame or or Glee and compare it to this. Oh, I've seen Glee. It's it's not... Glee is... <laughs> if you think Glee is good, this is, like, tons better. Because <laughs> it does the drama much better. And it's not... But the thing is that it's not like Glee in the sense that it's a musical. It's not. It's not a musical. It's it's just people dealing with shit. And then, yeah. Interesting. Well, I, I don't know anything about fame, though. I don't know if that's a show or... It's a movie and a show. Okay. But it's like people, like they're in like an arts school. Right. And they all want to... Be famous and be the best. Right. Yeah, this kind of has that. So, yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> Alright, I'm done. Alright, <laughs> so my second thing, I think I'll just do maybe Rapid Fire. Rapid Fire Oscar-nominated films that I haven't covered. Oh, okay. Until now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see. I just realized that John Cho was... is, uh, hosting. Hosting what? The Oscars. Maybe he's presenting at the Oscars. No, it's him and a, and a second person. No? I mean, Jimmy Kimmel's hosting the Oscars. Oh, is that the case? Oh, okay. Because I read uh, a tweet from the Academy and it says, John Cho. Yeah, he's probably like presenting one. Okay. What, does he have like a movie coming out? I don't know. I don't know if he does or not. Or maybe they're just ashamed of their lack of Asian representation. So, like, but we have some while I'm presenting. Yeah, sure. Hashtag Oscar so black and white. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, Asians have a ways, a ways to go before we can do anything. Before we can get anywhere with that. So, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's just the case. All right, so starting for the bottom up. Whatever that means. By the list I made that arbitrarily ranks the importance of the movies. That you didn't rank? That I did rank. Then you ranked it. It's not arbitrarily ranked. So it's sort of by... Your standards. Or it's... No, it's not ranked. It's ranked in how many nominations they got. And also in how they were listed when I was making the list. So... Visual effects are low on the list if it's the only one they got because that was one of the last categories that was on the list, so. Okay. Did I talk about Jungle Book on here? I think we mentioned Jungle Book a bit in the last, uh, in our Oscars one. Like, did it get put on the list? No. Alright, well, Jungle Book, it's a live-action version of the Jungle Book. It's yeah. good if you want a live-action version of the Jungle Book. How are the, and that's 
That's all I have to say about uh, the that. voice work, the voice acting. It's, it's all right. It's sort of. I wouldn't say hit and miss, but it's not. There's not anything like. Relevatory. Alright. Um, how's the kid? He's good. How's Baboo? Baloo. Baloo. It's Bill Murray. It's It's been a long time since I've seen The Jungle Book. I literally have almost no... Re- I mean, I'd say the animated version's better. Alright, so I don't... Yeah. Yeah. So next... So we t- we both saw Doctor Strange, then we talked about Sully and Suicide Squad, yep. and Star Trek. All right, mm. so Allied is the next one, and it's a uh, a World War Two spy thriller. Yeah, isn't that with about the Brad Pitt and Marianne Cotillard? Yeah, I think I I heard that it's best if you don't know the plot or something like that. I guess. It just, it feels, it's sort of a throwback kind of thing. Okay. Like maybe, like you'd say, like maybe it'd be a movie that Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman would be in in the 40s or something. Alright. But it's not really, I guess, saying it's not relevant. I don't know if that's the right term, but it's not really, it's just sort of like a programmer genre film. Okay. That doesn't really, it doesn't like transcend its trappings, it, so it's just like... It doesn't have anything to say, or... Yeah, not really. Alright. Then, Hail Caesar, I think that I saw that before we started this. Yes, I think that was uh, released before we did, yeah. Directed by the Coen brothers, mm-hmm. right? And about a kidnapped actor, right? Yeah. You know, in a way that in 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 a way that any Coen Brothers movie is about, about anything. Yeah, about, <laughs> it's just a lot of about a kidnapped wife, <laughs> or a uh, or a bag of money. And it's pretty, and it's funny, and it's fun. Mm. And I think if I watched it again, I'd probably like it more. I think it's just kind of the distance that's kind of. Kind of mellowed me on it, but... Alright. It was the best movie that I saw that year at the time, back in February. And it held that spot for a while. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then there's Nocturnal Animals. Have you heard anything about that? I've heard a bit about it, but I don't know the plot. I I think I might have... Did I talk about the plot on here? I think you have, yeah. Well, it's Amy Adams, and then she's reading a book that her ex-husband sent her. Uh, no, not ringing any bells. So, but that's basically the movie. It's her reading, basically like a thriller, okay. sort of a Straw Dogs type, like city folk versus hillbillies uh, in a in a violent confrontation. All right, and then. The score is really good with that. The music. It didn't get nominated for best original score, but it should have. What about the green room? The blue room. Green room? The green room. Isn't isn't the guy that played the main character dead in that? Yeah. So yeah, isn't he nominated? 
No. Oh, shit. That movie got nominated for nothing. Oh. And did it deserve anything? Not really. Okay. People sort of... I don't know. I don't know why people are in love with that movie. Hmm. It's like they've never seen anything. Like It's like I've seen that type of movie before, and it's... Like, you get really into it in the moment, but it's just sort of... Right. Definitely just an experienced film. Right. Kind of like a roller coaster, but... Right. Then there's Loving. What? Loving. Loving? Which yeah. is based on the historic court case of Loving versus Vir Virginia? Where uh, uh, mixed race marriages were made legal in all 50 states. Wow. Okay, so is the Supreme Court thing? But it's more it's def it's more focused on the couple and like you don't even really get any courtroom scenes at all. Okay. It's just sort of on their life, so it's very understated and Yeah. And that's basically the appeal of it, is that it's very understated. And then it only got one nomination, uh, for Ruth Nega as the wife. Oh. And she's really good in it. Mm. And then Joel Edgerton as the husband's really good in it too. Okay. From the director who did uh, yeah. Midnight Special from ah. this year, too. Okay. And then other things. Take Shelter, which is his best movie still. But Right. Yeah. Uh, then there's Passengers. I saw Passengers with uh, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence in space. Oh, that thing. Okay. Yeah. And it got nominated for Best Score and Production Design. And I'd say it deserved both of those. The score is very good and, you know, kind of spacey and in, a, in all the right ways. And it's sort of... It's not great. The story is sort of predictable and kind of cliched. Who woke them up? Huh? Huh? Well, oh, uh, well, that's the thing. Who woke who up? Maybe is the question. Oh shit! But then maybe there's, but then there's sort of an interesting undercurrent of kind of fate. It doesn't really get acknowledged at all. But I mean, that question of there's a reason why they woke up is sort of you can kind of read into that, and it's sort of interesting. Uh. Yeah. If you'd want to. Okay. Then there's Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. The best Harry Potter movie ever made. Did you watch all of them? No. Okay. I'm, I'm still confident because, you know, the big problem with the Harry Potter movies is, is Harry Potter. And so without Harry Potter, this movie just, you know, could really shine. But unfortunately, they replaced him with Eddie Redmayne. Which is really overall a net negative. <laughs> but uh, the other characters kind of lift it up. Then it's fun. It's a period piece. And it's I think it's that's kind of the idea that it's fun for a lot of it. And then, I don't know, when I think of Harry Potter, I kind of think of... It sort of starts fun 
and then gets progressively less fun as it goes along. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Yes. Right, then there's Florence Foster Jenkins, Meryl Streep's award-worthy turn as a bad opera singer. Yeah. It's weird. It's almost like Sully and the fact that like there it could have been a really good movie, but they just fall back on sort of cliched biopic storytelling. Okay. And it's kind of like, oh, if you'd actually told, like, the real story is probably more interesting. And then if they hadn't, like, faked, like, all the fake stuff they add just detracts from the movie. Right. And then there's Jackie, which is about Jack Kennedy. Yep. With Natalie Portman. And it's basically just a showcase for her performance. The whole the movie as a whole is kind of just eh. saying how look how sorry look how great of an actor uh, Natalie Portman is. Mm -hmm. Look how well she did or portrayed Jackie Kennedy. Yep, but she's still gonna lose to Emma Stone in the end. So what was the point of any of it? Okay. And then Hidden Figures, which I don't think I had seen in our Oscar okay. episode. Sure. But it's good. Alright. But again, sort of, it falls back on kind of cliched biopic right. tropes. Right. when And then kind of to its detriment. Right. But I think ultimately the story of these women working at NASA... And it has kind of, it takes like a three-pronged approach. It like focuses on three different women. At, at the same time, mm -hmm. right? And they all have their own storylines. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately what helps it oh, okay. so that's be it. better than a normal one. Because it's not like one, it's not just one, one character central. has a kind has... of cliched story arc. It kind of focuses on three different elements yeah. and how they all kind of made their mark. Right. Uh, then there's Fences, which okay. I had seen, and it's basically the stage play on the screen. Right. And I think I said in the Oscar, in our Oscar episode, that it probably plays a lot better on the stage. Right. There's kind of a sense of immediacy in the performances. Right. That sort of gets lost, but... Mm. I mean, it's good. I mean, obviously, the the play is, you know, like a classic, so. Right. And uh, there's Lion, which was the other one I hadn't seen. It's the uh, foreign movie, right? It's all, I mean, like, foreign. In the same way that, like, Slumdog Millionaire was a foreign film. But right. But still, like, what, like a British director. Right. I, uh, yeah. Mostly British cast. Right. I thought you said that it was foreign. Well, it's maybe. set in India and then... Right. New Zealand? Or some, like... I think it's New Zealand or some other... I don't know where they live, but... Okay. So it's about uh, a boy in India who uh, gets lost. Because he ends up... He gets on... A, he ends up on a train and he falls asleep. 
And then he doesn't really know where he's from or, like, what his mother's name is. Like, she's just his mother. Right. So then he eventually is an orphan. And then he gets adopted by a... I guess maybe they're Australian or New Zealand couple. All right. And then it's about him kind of trying to find his roots again. And it's really good. It's based on a true story. And it's kind of one of those that actually is worth telling making yeah a movie like the whole the story and how it unfolds it almost is like a narrative and like has like even like the, the ultimate resolution it feels like a movie resolution, resolution? Yeah. and it feels but it like it feels narratively right right in a weird way and i'd almost compare it to american sniper where they sort of didn't go all the way with, like, because that story could have, like, is sort of interesting, but they kind of had to hold back on it because he was an actual person and kind of... Recently. And, yeah, and who died. Yeah. Or was, like, killed. Right. And so they kind of had to... I don't think they... Made as much narrative potential as they could out of the story, but it kind of they're kind of in a between a rock and a hard place on that one, right? Yeah, but like I think of this one and then Lion, and then I compare it to 127 Hours, the one with James Franco when he's he gets trapped, yeah, like in by a rock for 127 hours, but that one too kind of had a like, complete narrative based on a real-life situation. And that's sort of... That's what I prefer rather than just, like, a biopic of, a, like, a person who did something great. It's like, but there's not really a story there. Yeah. Because, I mean, a lot of people achieve things. That doesn't mean their lives are actually... Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So then a lot of times I have to, like fake interesting things that really aren't interesting at all. Right. Yeah. Right, so then <laughs> what's left is the top three. La La Lands. Can you think of the other two? What? Oh, I oh, I was just going to say La La Land. Um, Moonlight. And then in a distant third. Manchester by the Sea. Manchester by the Sea. Okay. Go ahead. And it's uh, film critic Jeff Wells' like, favorite movie of the year, which is... Which one? Manchester. Okay. Have you have I ever talked about Jeff Wells? I don't think to so. To you? No. Because he's sort of the Donald Trump of film criticism. <laughs> but not in his... Because like, in his politics, I guess technically you'd say he's... A progressive, so, but just in his in his demeanor and the way he presents himself, he's yeah, very Donald, Donald Trumpian. Trump, I thought the Donald Trump was uh, what's his name? Ah, uh, gosh, Arnold White, Ar Armand White, Armand White, isn't he? The but Donald? he's more. But he's too like intelligent to be like he's sort of almost like. The flip reverse of Donald Trump, and that he's sort of 
but he has high he uses highbrow verbiage yeah. to to describe kind of, dumb yeah to opinions. describe dumb movies <laughs> and he kind of is just contrarian just to be contrarian yeah but Jeff Wells is Who one the that hell likes the what was it Transformers two over the Dark Knight but that that's the whole thing is that he'll just like have a like a year end article where he does that where it's just like this movie that people said was bad is better than this movie people said was good. Yeah, and it's just like, where are these arbitrary comparisons coming from? Uh, yeah, it's... Yeah. But, I mean, you could sort of at least sort of respect him in, in his just contrarianism yeah. and kind of... At least there's at like least a... know that he probably, like, is very aware of what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Which, compared to Jeff Wells, who just really is... <laughs> Like, I can't really follow him on a regular basis because he just infuriates me so much. <laughs> but just every once in a while, he'll write... Because he just has his own film blog where he just posts, like, whatever comes to his mind at any given moment. And oh sometimes God. it's just comedy gold. And then... Because the way he presents himself, it's like... Like, it's just like... It's this like, buffoon. And then... But he doesn't seem to be aware of it. And then... But his recent... And then every... Like, couple months, he'll write something really offensive, and then people on Twitter will be like, oh, God, Jeff Wells, he's the worst. And then he'll go, oh, and all these Twitter Twitter dogs are, are, are attacking me. And, like, he has, like, the thinnest skin. He'll, okay. <laughs> he'll rip into people and, like, make fun of people and criticize everything. And then if you say, if anyone says the slightest thing about him, he just falls apart, and it's... Would you like him to respond to us? Oh, I would love that. That would be the best. <laughs> I'll, I'll, the, the next episode or whatever, <laughs> when I post this episode, I will I will link it to him through the Twitter. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> he won't get this far into this. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll timestamp it for him. <laughs> Just tell right. him. Well, Kasir, here's his the whole latest snafu that he got into. <laughs> he had to go. He went to see John Wick two, and then he has he sort of has uppity opinions, like he hates the Marvel movies and okay. So he goes to see John Wick two, and you know, and then he has to pay for it, you know. And then that's sort of a big deal for him whenever, like, he's like, I, I went and paid for this movie. And it's like, oh, you know, how, how, dare they? how, you know, and then everyone else is like, yeah, I pay for every movie I see, jackass. And then, <laughs> and then the way he describes the audience, he goes, I was the only Anglo-Saxon of the bunch. And I was surrounded by these wage-earning lowlifes in baggy jeans and hoodies and then who have terrible opinions on movies. And people are like, you know, that's pretty racist. And he's like, what? What do you mean it's racist? And then it's, it's this whole thing. I'm like... What? That was just... It was like, <laughs> I'm the only Anglo-Saxon. I know. I'm that's like, the weirdest thing he said. It's like... <laughs> and then he said they were of like race that I will not mention or something. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm the only Anglo-Saxon? Oh, my God. <laughs> And this was for what now? For John Wick 2. His review of John Wick 2 <laughs> that I think he walked out of. 
Because of the audience? Maybe, and he didn't, apparently he didn't like the movie, because, you know, they're just the lowest common denominator in these, these lowlifes. And then, Holy and then to defend crap. himself, because he's, I think it was a, a Latino audience he was making reference to. He sort of makes it sound like it's well, a whatever, black audience. Urban or, market. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. But then he goes, but he's like, so someone like called him out and goes like, hey, that's sort of racist of you to say that. And he's like, oh, so you're telling me that everyone is just equal in life and that these people would just appreciate the, uh, the great art of uh, Pedro Almodovar and uh, Alfonso Cuaron, and it's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, great! You can, you can list some Mexican filmmakers that you like. You're not racist. <laughs> wow, that was his intention. I think I, so. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought, oh, it's you're like, just naming some fancy. Have... Uh, directors who've done some good shit in the past. <laughs> oh no, some some people can't appreciate it on like a. I'm pretty sure a lot of people appreciate Children of Men. Yeah. <laughs> like on whatever. But him, he has to like have this idea that he's better than yeah, others. Yeah, better, and that he's like a like the whole thing. He's like a samurai poet, and it's <laughs> and then. Oh, shit. We are shit-talking this guy. Oh, oh man. God. I really want to link it to... All right. Yeah. But does him... He, does he respond to, like, random people? I hope not. Because... Because, no, really... because you don't... Because he's just... You don't want to get involved with him. It's just, you know, just going into the muck. It sounds fun, though. Oh, like... Oh, uh, I... it's fun to watch from the outside. No, I think we should totally. And then, all right, and then maybe can I just tell one more story about him? Okay, sure. Is that all right? So he goes to Sundance every year, and then uh, one time he he has a, he wore a cowboy hat, and it was some he used some weird phrase to describe it, like it was like oh, like an emotionally intense hat or something. <laughs> and then so he's staying at this place, and like this woman, like she runs like a. Like, I don't know, it's like, you know, like an inn or hotel or something. something. But I think it's like, the idea that, like, it's like rooms, like, it's not like a hotel, it's more like a house that, like, critics stay in, because you know how Sundance every year. Right, right. Like Like an Airbnb or whatever? Yeah, something like that. Okay. And then, so his whole thing was, uh, he said, I'll leave my hat here, and then, you know, come back next year and pick up right where I left off. And then, somehow thought that that was like a contract to where he was like yeah i'm gonna be back next year and then i think eventually the woman rented out the rooms to someone else and then he was all angry about it and then eventually it escalated where like she had the cops take the hat away so then like he has this audio of him talking to the cops about like where he can pick up his hat and trying to describe it it's just ridiculous oh my god this guy sounds amazing. I really do. And, he, and then he also asked uh, a director. Really... He emailed the director about uh, getting like nude, nude stills from a movie, and it's just wait, white. Oh, that is so. Yeah, he's the worst. Oh, 
Oh, crap. I, I We really do need to contact him. No, no. Yes. It's fun just to look at all this stuff. Well, and... like it's not like we're, we're just going to contact him and say, we did an episode that mentioned you. Oh, he would hate this show, though. Oh, he yeah. would hate it. Yeah. Because he, but... he doesn't like animation in general. And then... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can totally... Oh, man. We should totally do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind... <laughs> all right so manchester by the sea is his favorite movie <laughs> all right about a yeah about a sad white man about a sad white man with uh, white man problems or mm-hmm. okay even though that character is like the way journey low life that he's criticizing but like that character has never seen Children of Men. Yeah. Alright, and the top two are Moonlight and La La Land. And they're both good. Okay. Okay. Now rank all of them. <laughs> no, I, I think we'll just skip the ranking for the Oscar ones because we're just, we just rapid-fired through it, so... I don't care enough to do it. <laughs> Alright, but maybe... I'll, here, I'll do... I'll rank the best pictures. There's only nine of them. Okay, in their own separate list, or yeah. Okay, I'll just say number one is Hell or High Water. Okay. Number two is Arrival. All right. Number three is Lion. Four is Moonlight. Five is La La Land. Okay. Wait, maybe am I forgetting one? Oh. And then yeah, I'll say five La La Land, six Manchester. All right. Seven Hidden Figures, Eight Fences, Nine Hacksaw Ridge. Okay. Alright. Boom. So if you're going to see them, see them in that order. And you can just skip Hacksaw Ridge because well, it's not great. In that order. And I feel that that's a different thing <laughs> altogether. Um, I'm just saying, if, you, if your time is well, limited and you're like, I can't see all these movies... I guess if you want to see the best picture, if you want to see the movie that's going to win the most Oscars, see La La Land. Oh, it's... no, what I'm saying is that I, is that when you set up uh, a movie marathon, you don't just do it from best to worst. You do it from mood, from tone to tone. Like, like would you alternate between like happy, sad? Oh, uh, I would say that uh, how it begins and how it ends, basically. And if it ends in a downer, then begin with the downer. If it ends in, if it ends with a happy, then begin with a happy. You know. Mm-hmm. It, so then it so then it's like a, it can connect with each other. Is what I'm saying. That's how I would do it, but I don't know. Okay. So, uh, I guess this is the part where we rank... Didn't you say you were going to put something else, like, on Twitter? You tweeted something about something? I did probably tweet something about something. I don't know. Let me see. I did a lot of retweets recently, so I don't really know what to, uh... Let me see. Alright, so, when you can find the thing that I personally have tweeted (laughs) instead of retweeted and i'm sorry about that i guess (laughs) 
Hey, retweets do not equal endorsements, all right? Well, no, I'm just saying that it, it, it shows up as something that I tweeted. Does he have a, does that guy have a Twitter? Uh, I don't know. I had to unfollow him. He just was driving me nuts. I even, like, you know how on the computer it has, like, frequently visited sites? Sure. Like, his was on my, like, dropped on many for a while. And I had to drag it and delete it because I just, I couldn't check it anymore. It was making me so mad. Yeah, you could just clear your cache. But then I would lose all my cash, And I gotta keep my cash. Okay. Well, it's you could just clear your cache in that particular thing. I think you can. Or I could choose. just drag it and it'll go. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's satisfying. What browser is this? It's uh, Safari. Oh, okay. Well, I wouldn't know anything about that. All right. Here is the tweet <clears throat> from the 4th of February. Okay. 2017. So I guess I'm going to be talking about at play overwatch in the next a million media to consume before you die episode oh yes that one i could talk about that i don't have a good enough idea about what it is but i guess i can (laughs) i can talk about it i'm not gonna i don't i don't feel confident enough to talk about it well why do you let's just say why would you want to talk about it uh it's because i had nothing else to talk about (laughs) oh uh well, have you played this? I have played a little bit of it, but I don't have like I, I played it for a particular event. But, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, here and then. All right, so I have a question. Yeah. About video games, did you have a Nintendo sixty four? Yes. Did you play any Zelda games? I played the Ocarina of Time. Is that a game worth playing? That is considered as one of the greatest games of the... Like, say, I don't like playing video games, really. Oh, it's a time investment. And I think that's one of the biggest um, constraints, I guess. One of the biggest obstacles for people who aren't into video games that want to get into it is that it takes a lot of time and effort to get through one thing. See, because I'm kind of feeling nostalgic. That, thing. That's why I personally haven't done that, or personally haven't wanted to talk about Overwatch. Uh, so, hmm. Let's see, Zelda though. It's it's a time investment, and it is a bit frustrating. That now that I think about it, it would be. Um, like maybe maybe like I'll just have to track down like Crash Bandicoot. That's they're, more my style. They're releasing a new, or not a new one, but they're, they're releasing a, a a remake, I guess, of it. They're remaking it. and Or, or like, would getting a Sega Genesis now, would that cost a lot of money? Or yes. would that be cheap? Yes, it costs a lot of money to get things that are out of uh, stock. But does it? Because no one really wants them. People want them. I bet I could get it for cheap. Or I guess you could just get like an emulator or something. Yeah, an emulator is probably where you want to go with it. Because I'm thinking like 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 that. What was it? Bubsy? Was that it? Uh, Do you remember that? It was like a Sonic knockoff. I, I, I didn't have a Sega Genesis, so I would not know. Or Road Rash. Oh, Road Rash was the best. 
Um, there was a motorcycle racing game sure. that you could like wipe out and then you just like skid like a mile on the pavement and then just pop right back up and have to run back to your bike. Yeah. And you could hit people with chains and like punch them off their bikes. Oh, it was great. Okay. <laughs> I just need to track that down. Because see, because the the only video game I play now is a uh, is this, a tile based game called. 2048 and I play it every day and it's just you move around these tiles on a grid and then try to get it to add up to 2048 so you start with twos and fours and then every time you slide like a two into a two it turns into a four and then a four into a four it turns into an eight and then you keep moving them around the grid until you get the, the high score and that's the video game I play Put that on the list. I could do that. It's it's really fun. Do you want me to talk about my the apps that I've been playing on my phone? Sure. So I've been playing this game called uh, Love Live School Idol Festival, which we have talked about. Oh, not not this particular thing, but we have talked about this franchise before. Sunshine School Idol movie. And uh, it's about high schoolers being uh, pop stars. High school girls, I guess. And uh, it's a finger like tapping type of game where you. Uh, there's nine buttons basically on the screen, and there's this kind of thing that. Uh, this note that kind of goes towards the one of these buttons and you have to hit the button at the time that the note goes on the button so then you can uh, play that note see aren't those just the best things where you just have to keep like pressing the button over and over and you don't really have to think about it and you can listen to a podcast at the same time this is and this is one of the most <laughs> well it's actually incredibly complicated because sometimes you have to do double taps and then, <laughs> and then sometimes you have to have like a rhythm to it, and then, and then it, and then sometimes there's ten of them going everywhere, and you have to figure out which ones to hit first immediately because it because it goes so fast that you have to like look at it and you're just like okay I have to do this, <laughs> and then you mess up, and if you mess up too much, then you fail the song, and then it's like uh, uh, it's like Guitar Hero. Yeah, then you fail the song, and then you spent your action points which you restore by waiting <laughs> and you, you get one a minute or one uh, every six minutes so uh, ten an hour and it's horrible because if you mess <laughs> up and you use the and you used all your points and you mess up that means that means you wasted a lot of points for no reason so like can you buy points Yes, that's the part. See, that's the whole trick. That's, that's where they get you. That's where they get you, but I didn't do that because that's dumb. But, yeah. See, that's where 2048 is just a pure for love of the game. Does it have ads or something? Maybe. I don't know. I think there's a bunch of different, like, versions of it. Oh. Like, there's some where you can do, like, like reverse the move you just did. But I yeah. don't do that. I, I do my crosswords in pen. Oh, okay. And then, uh. If, if I were to ever do a crossword. Yeah. And it's. 
and it uses uh, the songs that are in the movies and the shows in the multimedia franchise. That's about it. Oh, and there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Yes. What do you... And I have an answer. Oh, I'm sure... I know, I know you have an answer. <laughs> okay. I feel like you might have already answered it. And maybe I just wasn't paying attention. Okay. Right, so... The other day, instead of, you know, doing work, I got distracted and decided to make a list of 2017 movies to look forward to. Okay. And then there was one called Your Name. Yeah. That is a anime movie that is very popular. Have you seen it? I have not seen it yet. It's going to be released, I think, sometime around April. Uh, it had a Oscars nomination schedule during sometime in December, I think. And then oh, it didn't, and then get, it didn't get nominated. Yeah. Hey, but My Life as a Zucchini got nominated, whatever that is. Yeah. I did look more into Red Turtle now, and, I, and I'm just... I feel still very disappointed that... Is it really just one Japanese movie? Can it just be like, this is the Japanese corner? <laughs> well, I'm sure there's like a Japanese Oscars, right? Yeah, there is. It's not It's not the Oscars, though. Well, maybe let's just say the American Oscars, then. But there's no... There's no... England Oscars, right? Yeah, there is. There's the BAFTAs that are happening like now, I think, like as we're recording. That's different, though. But it's the British Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. It's the same thing. It's different. And then they even have a Best British Film. Why isn't there a Best American Film out of the Academy Awards? Well, because the AFI does that. The American Film Institute has their own stuff they do. Yeah. um... And then that... Their new revised list should be coming out, like, this year or next year. That's like a Western thing, so it's Western markets with Western markets, so it doesn't really matter at that point. See, I'm excited that if when that drops, we're going to have a whole special episode on it. I don't think I've ever cared about the Oscars, but yeah. See, but the American Film Institute, they're going to do a new Top 100. They have to for, like, the 20th anniversary. Oh, are they now? They should. Uh, I, I, I gotta start a campaign if they're not gonna do it. Okay. I remember back when they did the 10th anniversary thinking like, I can't wait until 10 years from now when they do the 20th to <laughs> see which films will be added and which will be dropped. Will Citizen Kane still be number one? We don't know. The Godfather might pass it. Or Vertigo. <laughs> Those are the two contenders. Okay. Uh, or I guess Raging Bull, but oh god forbid. Jesus Christ. That shouldn't even be in the top 100. I need to watch that again. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I'm just I, I'm just trying to think. I'm like, I have not watched that movie in, I think, a decade now. What? Raging Bull. Probably the same for me. <laughs> so I can't really say what uh, whatever feelings I have about it because I don't have any feelings at, at this point. I think I remembered liking it. It's sort of the same way with uh, the other movie. Uh, no Country for Old Men or something like that. See, that's one that might get added. Okay. That I think The Dark Knight has a good shot. Maybe Avatar. Maybe like Wally. 
Oh, well, I would say it would be a decision between the Dark Knight and the Avengers right now. But they're they're not gonna put the Avengers in there. Cause yeah. But either Upper Wally is almost I'd say guarantee going in. Like one or the other. Probably Wally. I would say up. But I think they'll go with Wally. Okay. I just Unless think the up is I don't know. Because I don't think there's I think it's between those two. I don't think they'd put Toy Story 3 on there. And I don't think Inside Out got as high praise as those other two. Okay. <laughs> but then I wonder, like, what else could go on? Or maybe, if not The Dark Knight, I think they'd put, they're, they're going to put a Christopher Nolan movie on there. It's either that or Inception. Yeah, I'm just thinking of the only other uh, movie that would be would be Inception or yeah. Let's see, Dark Knight, Inception, Memento. I think those are I think Me- Memento is like a dark horse maybe. It it could like that's like you know, that's one of the three. I think those are the I mean, three. I mean the Sixth Sense is on there currently. Oh. I think that's going to drop oh, out. S- speaking of which, Split Have you heard about it? Yeah. Yeah. I heard that I'm not supposed to know anything about it, so mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it. And apparently the plot twists are in it. So yay. But then I really hate that director. <laughs> does it have something to do with Unbreakable? I think it might. Because he was always going on about how he was doing like a follow up to Unbreakable. And I think this might be the one. Or it might not be. I don't know. Hmm. I think I heard some faint rumblings about that. But yeah. I might have just been mistaken because I didn't want to really know anything about it either. Yeah, I really hate that director. He's kind of a huge dick. He really, he really uh, was it, self-aggrandizes. But then, but then he's also like really not a big blockbuster director. Mm-hmm. But then he was given like two huge movies that were both really bad. He was given eight different movies. But at least like, I don't like The Village or Lady in the Water are just kind of mid-level. They're not like a hundred million dollar budgets. Yeah. Like The Last Airbender or uh, <laughs> After Earth. Yeah. But then, like, The Happening kind of loops back around in on itself and kind of becomes amazing. And how but, dumb it is. Yeah, I just... It's, it becomes amazing because it's so stupid, but... But, like, but that kind of works where, uh... What, Peter Berg, I think, tried to make the case that that was what he was going for with uh, Battleship. But it obviously, like, wasn't... Because it isn't dumb enough. It's just kind of super generic and boring. Yeah. It's not But he tried to say, like, no, it's a parody of these kind of big blockbuster movies. It's like... It's definitely not. Whereas you could say, like... (laughs) Like, you you could... I think you could make the argument that The Happening is. Like, it flips over into, like, parody. Like, it is just... Like, Mark Wahlberg it's... and Zoe Deschanel are, like, so terrible in it that it just kind of has to. 
I think I think what happened is that he's just so bad at directing movies that he just accidentally made a good one. Or he made a so bad it's good one. Like he Well no no. Or you just, mean like I with just, the sixth sense? I'm just, I'm just talking about six sense right now. That he, but then that Unbreakable just, Unbreakable's good. Unbreakable's fine. And signs is good. And signs is less fine, but that's And p- p- the village has its defenders. I'm not one of them. And then uh, the visit is good. That's funny. Like that's sort of intentionally. Okay. I think well at this like, point he's gotten into because he knows what he is at this point. Mm-hmm. He knows that he is the plot twist man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and he's reveling in it. Didn't he do the elevator thing too? I think he wrote the story for that because it was a whole like that was supposed to be the start of like like an like an M Night Shyamalan presents type thing. Yeah. That Never. Then that there. movie was really bad, so they didn't do any more of them. Yeah. Oh man, is it? Do, does everyone just go to Bloomhouse now? All failed directors just go to Bloomhouse. Well, that's you know that's where horror is made now. Yeah. Because I think they just announced that they're doing a Halloween. They're going to remake Halloween again. Oh my god. With Rob Zombie? Or without no, Rob with, Zombie? Yeah, without, yeah it's uh, Danny McBride and I think that... what What's the director's name? Like something Gordon Green? I don't know. But he's done like... He's done like... I think he's the one that did... Like he does Ugh. like <clears throat> those R-rated comedies like Pineapple Express. But then he also does like small independent dramas too like he kind of has this weird oh okay like dual career you mean seth rogan movies all of them Mm -hmm. this is the end and but that's uh adam mckay i think and uh the recent one with the animation sausage party oh i don't think he was involved in that maybe he was hopefully not okay but apparently uh john carpenter's really into it was into their idea that they pitched, so. Okay. I guess that's good. But then he also, you know, has made some really bad movies, too. So. I'm just like, yeah, John Carpenter, <laughs> he's made some incredibly bad movies. But he's made some of the greatest movies of all time, so. Yeah. Yeah. And so what if he thinks that Escape from L.A. is better than Escape from New York? Maybe he's right. That's a movie that's sort of a parody of. Yeah. I mean, Escape from is just is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's uh, what was it? Aren't they doing a new one now? I heard that. I I've been hearing that they're they're thinking about doing a new one, Escape from. With Kurt Russell or with someone else? Probably uh, with a Rock. I they were. I heard they were going to do a Big Trouble in Little China reboot with a Rock. Okay. I, I think it was with Kurt Russell, or it was hit with because well, the whole son, like the idea that they, I think they wanted to do a third one that was like Escape from Earth, yeah, and then they wanted to do like Escape from Mars, right? But those uh, didn't happen. I know, I know that the Escape from Earth one uh, uh, news thing, um, but I think this time they're calling it Escape from America. Because really, if you watch Escape from L.A., like I did recently, it kind of is kind of relevant to today's situation in a weird way. Yeah. I, yeah, it has become weirdly relevant. 
And Even all, though it, it sort of predicted that the religious moral right would be the thing to take over. Yeah. Which kind of wasn't all the way correct, but... Yeah. This is the world that we live in. Escape from L.A. Welcome to the human race. We live in Escape from L.A. Hey, at least Bruce Campbell is in it. <laughs> yeah. We should do a John Carpenter episode. I would Once have... I watch all the rest of his movies. Alright. I'm almost... I've seen almost all of them. I've gone, got up to like the 90s. Right. So I only have like five left. Yeah, I'm just maybe like, I could just pretty much at the end of his. Yeah, maybe I could just like recommend like the best ones to you, and we could discuss them. Uh, okay. I mean, uh, there's uh, Escape from New York, right? Yeah, but even that one's Escape from L.A. or just uh, well, both of them. Halloween. Okay. The thing. Oh, Prince yeah. of Darkness is oh, yeah. a masterpiece that no one else will acknowledge except for me, and then. Uh-huh. I guess In the Mouth of Badness is good. Uh, Assault on Precinct 13 is really good. Oh. Body Bags is his worst. Along with his Elvis TV movie with Kurt Russell. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's one I'm forgetting. And then people really like Big Trouble in Little China. But, That's not him, is it? Yes. Yeah, oh, okay. I just know that it was Kurt Russell is all. Okay. And Starman is really good. It's sort of atypical of him, but... Hmm. It's Jeff Bridges as an alien. Oh, okay. So the list... That we've been putting off, yes. <laughs> What's going on the list? Uh, let's see. The two comics, um, my sound euphonium, and then um, I think that's about it. All right. Unless you want to put the apps on there. Let's, maybe let's leave the apps off for now. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, let's see. Their first comic was, what was it? JLA Earth 2. Okay, Justice League Earth 2. Okay, um... The sound's pretty bad. Yeah, it's really boring and kind of... Not oh, worth crap. reading. Oh, yeah. But I then, I maybe... I don't, even... I don't have the list out. I thought you were just gonna kind of freewheel it for a second. I'm like, hey, maybe, <laughs> maybe you have the list memorized. I don't know. Oh, no, well... Okay, so... I'm not gonna... I'm not going to use the list today, or I'm not going to talk about all the uh, entries today. Say the names of them all, so we'll just figure it out. Which number is it going to be? Oh, boy. All right, so we have 70 of them. All right, so... Yeah, hey, we're closing in on 100. Yeah, we're closing in on 100, yes. So, uh, JLA 2, Earth 2... Or JLA Earth 2. It's something like that. Justice League America Earth 2. Hmm. Do you want... Do you think it's better than Hologram for the King? 
No. How about Lobster? No. Okay, how about Ghostbusters? Eh, I guess it's sort of on that level. Alright. So how about I put it between... Well, how about... Well, what about the BFG? I mean, it's gotta be better than the BFG. Okay. So... Most things, this has to be. You have to believe that most things are better than the BFG. Okay, so I'll put in between Black Bullet and Two Love Rue, Trouble, on spot number 67. Alright, and then there was the, was it The Authority? No. Or no, Secret, Secret, no, Identity Crisis. Secret Identity is a different thing. Identity Crisis. Now You See Me Too. See, now that I'm thinking about I think calling it Identity Crisis was supposed to be like a reference almost to all the other crises. And being like, no, but it's like, like an identity crisis though. Not on infinite earths but like internal crisis oh within the within the league the league but it turned out to be something external anyways all right well but their identity crisis is sort of what they're willing and not willing to do right as heroes right i mean it's good you know there's a lot of stuff in it don't look now. Bigger splash. I mean, I guess it's sort of in there. Okay, I'll put it. I'll put it in between Valkyrie Drive, Bikini, and Good Job, Boo. Number 59. This is actually the. Wait, yeah, yeah, it's fine. All right. And what do you want to put sound euphonium? Can I see the, the list? Well, this will probably go pretty high. Well, you said one of the best animes of all time. Animated of all time? Yeah, man. Yeah, it actually is. Ooh, really? Yeah. Uh, you said the past couple of years. Now are you saying all time? When I say past couple of years, I generally just mean all the whole time, so. <laughs> I haven't lived for very long, <laughs> so. So, so do, you, do you mean, like, the past 20 years, or? <laughs> Maybe be... number five? Between Aller High Water and Journey? Sure. Okay. Let's do that. Sound Euphonium 2 goes there. All right. Yes. And, yeah. And Euphonium seems to look like a... Maybe like a mix between a French horn and a... I think it's some sort of tuba thing. Yeah. It's not as big as a tuba. But then yeah. what's the what's the tuba that you hold called... Or no, what's the tuba that goes around you called? That's the one that is like that's, a different... That's, isn't that a tuba? I know, I think you hold a tuba. And it then the one that goes around you it has like a I different name. I don't remember. I don't think that was in the uh, show anyways, so... Well, because they're not marching, so it's... They did a marching one. There was an episode in which they did like a marching band thing. Because uh, 
they had to do it for some reason. It was like a thing that they did for this school, so yeah. I don't care about reinstating. All right. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And your app. All right, now. <laughs> well, that would go number one. And uh, what, what's his face? Where where do we where, rate where this does, guy? Where does Jeff Wells go? Do you want to rate Jeff? Oh my God! Do you think that he is a media of? But itself? see, but the thing is, he'll never be finished. <laughs> well, like is this and the, no one could this, ever. Well, how about this? Is this the end of season eight? See, but the thing is, he just never stops. He never takes a break. Oh, okay. Okay, so when he dies, then we'll maybe we're gonna rate people. But see, but I've not. Uh, but you would have to read every single blog post he's ever written, and that would <laughs> literally drive you insane. <laughs> yeah, I I think I would hate the guy too. But uh, yeah, I I, I will link him to this. Just just be like, here's a timestamp. Where where we start talking about you, and it's great. It's great. We we are really nice about it. <laughs> I mean, he's a he, he's a source. He's he's given me much enjoyment <laughs> over the years. Like he's also talked about crashing uh, James Gandolfini's funeral, and what? Uh, <laughs> and he had a funny encounter with uh, Miles Teller. Because the thing is, I mean, you gotta respect that, like. He's putting this out there. Like, he will... <laughs> he's the one... This is how he's presenting himself. And it... You know? And it kind of... It's kind of crazy and it's, amazing. Does he think of himself as a professional, like, person? Yeah. Because this is... Because all this stuff is very unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just sort of... He was sort of there at the beginning of... Like, blogging. And he right. was one of the first, like... He got in on the online thing early. Right. So he sort of cemented himself in that yeah. world. And he's completely, like, self-sustaining. Like, he doesn't work for a website. He has his own website. So, <laughs> like, he can't be fired. <laughs> Does he have, like, a Patreon or anything? He just has ads. Because apparently, I guess his site gets enough traffic that he can just... Yeah, I guess. Live off awards ads the entire year. Yeah. Because see, because he's he's an Oscar blogger. You see. Oh. He's one of those people. Oh gosh. Oh, and then uh, what was it? And make sure to put down the code for uh for your next uh purchase on. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of a ad. That people put on their podcast all the time. <laughs> Mailchimp. Use the promo code CONSUME and get three free meals on Red Apron. Yeah. It's actually Blue Apron. See, I said Red Apron because it's not, we don't actually have any sort of promotions. <laughs> yeah, so. no, no. We're too, we're too poor. Do you want home-cooked meals delivered right to your door? <laughs> they, they cook it for you and then they just put it out. Well, on no, your porch. they give you the uh, the ingredients and see, but they only give you the amount you need, so there's no food waste. Okay. 
I get I get a lot of Blue Apron uh, uh, ads on the on the No Sleep podcast. Okay. Should I start talking? Should we start putting creepy pasta on the list? Mmm, creepy pasta. <laughs> no, that's fine. Oh, I could have put tickled on the list. Oh, I forgot. Okay. Well, oh well. Have you have that? Uh, whatever. Or it's over. Oh well. It's over. Oh well. It's over. Oh well. You can follow me on Twitter at. Uh... <laughs> I at Declining Broad. At Declining Broad. And you can follow Dave at Pop Culture Loser on Twitter. On Twitter. It's at Pop Culture Loser on Twitter. Yes. That's the full thing. At Pop Culture Loser on, on Twitter. Twitter. That's too long. You can't. I think mine has like the maximum amount of characters. Oh, is it? I mean, uh, technically it should be Popular Culture Loser, but you know. Well, I guess that's it then. Yep. And until next time. <laughs> <laughs>